Hello, friends. Welcome back to Modern Wisdom. My guest today is Danny T and his manager, Casey. Danny is a local lad from the north of England, but over the last few years, he's gone from being a normal club DJ to touring all of Europe. He recently sold out Leeds First Direct Arena. And I wanted to find out, how do you build a personal brand around a very competitive market, lots of other DJs out there, what are the principles that you are using and how can other people apply those to their lives? We talk about online followings and how they are not the be-all and end-all for success in any highly competitive market. We get into mental health and party culture, how young people are growing up now and what they value. It's a really interesting insight with someone who I really think is at the forefront of a very positive movement in terms of how DJs are seen from the UK so, yeah, massive thanks to Danny and Casey for coming on. This episode is brought to you by Crafted London. Finding men's jewellery that doesn't suck is very difficult, and Crafted London have nailed it. They are the number one men's jewellery company worldwide. They're sweatproof, waterproof, heatproof, and gymproof. They've got custom designs in gold and silver, necklaces, chains, pendants, bracelets, rings, and earrings. If you've seen me on any of the big cinema episodes on YouTube wearing a necklace, it will always be from Crafted. I absolutely love it. It works with formal wear, casual wear, whether it's daytime or nighttime. All of the pieces are super high quality. The designs are great, and uh, I love them. That's It's all I wear. Also, they have an unlimited lifetime guarantee so if your piece breaks for any reason at any point during the entire life of the product they will give you a new one for free get a 15 percent discount site-wide on everything by going to bit.ly slash cd wisdom and using the code mw15 at checkout that's bit.ly slash letter c letter d wisdom and mw15 at checkout Tell me if this sounds familiar. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things that you used to do in a day are taking a week. You're drowning so much, you've now promoted your dog from company mascot to customer service representative. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025 and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, that is the 25th year anniversary of NetSuite. 25 years of helping businesses to do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system. With one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash modern. That's netsuite.com slash modern to get your own KPI checklist today. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've won Whoop for over four years now, since way before they were a partner on the show, and it is the only wearable I have ever stuck with because it's the best. It is so innocuous, you do not remember that you've got it on, and yet it tracks absolutely everything 24-7 via something from your wrist. It tracks your heart rate, it tracks your sleep, your recovery, all of your workouts, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, how much you're breathing throughout the night. It puts all of this into an app and spits out very simple, easy to understand, and fantastic fantastically usable data. It's phenomenal. I am a massive, massive fan of Whoop, and that is why it's the only wearable that I've ever stuck with. You can join for free, pay nothing for the brand new Whoop 4.0 strap, plus you get your first month for free, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you can buy it for free 
try it for free. And if you do not like it, after 29 days, they will give you your money back. Head to join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. That's join.whoop.com slash modernwisdom. But for now, please welcome the wise and wonderful Danny T. It's Danny T. Hi, Danny. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What a pleasure. It's been so long coming to get you on here. I know. We've just been speaking for about 20 minutes before this, though. I know, yeah, but that's what you... You can't get straight into it. There's <laughs> got to be a bit of foreplay. You get what I mean? All right, okay. That okay, was okay. the cunnilingus oh, before so we get into the... Oh, so good to see you. Hi, Daniel. How are it's you? Been, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a while. But it's not just you. It's not. Who have you brought with you? She's my other half. My <laughs> she's my, my manager. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Huh? Uh, I'm Casey, Danny's manager, and <laughs> I say friend. <laughs> he, re- he reels me and he keeps me from getting myself in trouble what's it like being Danny's manager Casey uh, <laughs> fun alongside challenging what's the challenges you come up against um, mostly toning down his wild ideas um, have you got any wild ideas that you've not let through recently that you can say on camera you delete a few Instagram stories yeah, I mean, the post of you, like, semi-naked before your show was a... Uh, that was a bit of a battle between us as to whether... That got censored, right? No, it went up. I, I won that one. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I won that one. But this is just sort of a routine back and forth between what's allowed and what's not. I understand. But it's all part of the uh, fun craziness that is Danny's personal brand. I get it. So, Danny, you're a DJ, I guess. That's You, you play music, right? I do. You press play on a deck. Once, just... Press it and stand there and leave it. Leave it your go. hands a little bit. But you've had like last few years, you know. For the people that don't know about Danny's kind of surge through popularity, especially recently, that you just sold out Leeds First Direct Arena. Yeah, yeah. Floor standing sold out. How many? How many people is that? Five and a half thousand. Five and a half thousand people, and you're just. I mean, you're a very good DJ, but you're just some fella. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's one thing that's makes it more popular is the fact that I am just Some could be everyone's pal like <laughs> it's not like oh my god I've got to go see this superstar it's like <laughs> I know what his dogs are called mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is part of the kind of how the followings come because people just wanted to be part of like the life that I was living at the time which has got more sensible over the years but the parties have got bigger and bigger haven't they mm. so you know you're probably a pretty good role model for the local club DJ that is now taking it to the absolute nth degree, right? Yeah, if they're really wanting to to push themselves and go further, yeah, a lot say they want to, a lot don't really want to put in the work. They think it was easy. Think it was. They think what they've seen is the route rather than what I've actually done that they won't have ever seen. They just think that, like, they can... Oh, we can do that now. I mean... We, the, we can go there now. The, I'm not saying they shouldn't try, but they need to try hard. No, no, I get it. Man. <laughs> I'd love to see more people doing it. it is, there's, there's, a, there's a massive gap for where I was two or three years ago. And just to sort of build on that, I think, you know, what people are sort of seeing the past maybe year or so 
is the culmination of what I've worked with you four years now. Mm-hmm. But even prior to me coming on board, that was, you know, there's things that you did beforehand, which has sort of come into a head now. And that's, it's the culmination of all of those years yeah, of yeah, work. Yeah. I think the quote that I love that kind of relates to what you were talking about there is, people grind away and grind away and grind away and it yeah. takes them 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's 100% true. But at the same time, I get so many messages like, oh, what's the easiest way or what's the quickest I mean, what way? Did you, what did you just get a message, a question for the podcast as we started? Like, hey man, what do I need to start DJing? Yeah, and you're yeah, you're like, yeah, well, yeah. some DJ decks. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. part of me that thinks, that's like asking <coughs> Floyd Mayweather, like, what raps should I buy? Like you have yeah, someone yeah, who has yeah, 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 yeah. moved themselves through this route, right? Like ask mm-hmm. them the, the questions that matter. So I, ladies and gentlemen, and fledgling DJs, I am going to, I've strapped him down to a couch and I'm going to ask all the questions that everybody wants to know. Oh, so okay. the first question I want to know, right? I'm a, I'm a, a young DJ. Maybe I've got a couple of nights a week, local gigs, maybe support slots, a couple of warm ups, maybe just about getting my first you know, main slot at an okay student night in a typical town in the UK. How do I get myself from there to getting booked in venues abroad, to having a genuine following on social media that care about me, to being able to release mixes that people listen to? Like, Mm. what do I do? Where do I start? One thing people get really, really mixed up is social media and real world. Social media followings can look massive and not, be big in the real world. Whereas some people can have quite small social media followings, but be, be touring the world as known acts. Like if you look at <clears throat> Craig David's got a massive social media presence now, but when he first came back, he had like 60,000 Instagram followers and was selling out a weekly pool party with 5,000 people in Ibiza. Like that figure on Instagram is something that people focus far too much on instead of real live people. Like you imagine that they're desperately trying to get more and more online followers to try and share their music online to the value of that compared to, it might be different now, but when I first started handing someone a CD that they would listen to and stay in their car for five years, Mm -hmm. even longer, there was a, a guy stopped me in the middle of the street in Bristol that still had my CD in his car from 2014. Like that's so much more valuable. Like investing in yourself is so much more valuable than focusing on a figure of Instagram followers. Cause I know people with a third of a million followers that are skint. Man. So perfect example of that. I was talking about the secret today and the secret is this book film where people it's like think it see it achieve it but it removes the hard work from it it's like get off your ass and actually do the thing you need to do and I think a lot of the time people use that quantifiable metric of popularity which is how many followers do I have or whatever how many replies did I get it's like bro if you don't add 300 tickets when you get booked by a a, a, a promoter like myself it doesn't matter I do not give a flying fuck about how many followers you've yeah, got on Instagram. Yeah. I want to know if I book you for X many hundred or thousand pounds. How many more people? How many more people are coming through the door? And yeah. if that figure ends up being around about like either zero or positive, as in you make me more money than you cost me, I will continue to book you because it's yeah, the yeah. freest money I'm ever, ever, ever yeah. going to make. And just to sort of build on that, I think it's if you like essentially social media following is a, it's a number on a screen, but 
particularly for DJs, like first and foremost, you are an entertainer. Your sole purpose as to why you exist is to entertain people. So therefore, rather than questioning, you know, if you're going to start up and try and like build your brand or accumulate followers, look at how can I entertain people? How can I, you know, start getting people to want to come and see me? Focus on the things that matter rather than, you know, building up the metric that's... Okay, so not focus first and foremost on the Instagram. World, yeah, but what's that, what is that for a DJ? Tell me, what's the steps? Do different things in a club. If you get opportunities, take them and make sure people notice that something has changed, something's different, something's different about that platform. If they're watching a resident DJ and it's... It's a resident DJ's job to keep it like this all night rather than smash it for five hours because the crowd just wouldn't be able to hold it. But if you get an opportunity to step on, even if it's the last hour, if you make that last hour increase in just anything, just like the intensity, the music, the, everything about the room just increases, people will want to know, why is that different? And the more they're asking, why is that different? And they see somebody and they see their logo up on the screen, they'll be like, oh, the last hour at so-and-so club was so good last night, it was so-and-so that were playing. They can tell, tell one person. That one person takes five of their friends to go. They go away till 10 people. Straight away, that's 50 people that know that you're different to what they're used to. You're more exciting. So they want to go and see you more. Why are you more exciting? Because I, I think you are, but I want you to define why you think you're more <laughs> exciting. I don't even know. I just... Is it the turntablism? Is it the mixing in of tracks? It's a bit. It's a bit of like the speed that I actually mix at. The fact whether I do it live or not, the crowd don't care. The crowd care about what comes out of the speakers, mm. but the the speed and the flow of which I mix at means that there's never a lull. That's just my style. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's never a point in my set where the crowd actually get time to breathe. Have you Come, ever been, sorry to interject there, have you ever been a, a resi in clubs? Like yeah, a proper yeah. resident? Yeah, yeah. I how, did you, yeah. how did you make <laughs> that work? Because you, you've just identified. And you yeah, know, yeah. for some of the people that are listening that maybe don't understand music that much, mm. but have been out clubbing, anyone will know when they've gone in and a DJ's just smashing the tits off it, like mm. house tunes are getting played and you think, this feels a bit fast. And you're like, yes, it feels a bit fast. It's 136 BPM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's, got to, it's got to build to that. And you so how do to... you do that? How do you do that before we get back to why you're different? Like, how do you make Danny T a resident DJ in a club that plays a four-hour set? Uh, just networking. I was partying. I was just going out all the time. What was the music like? Uh, started off with house music, but my first proper residency was an R&B night. Because I just wanted to play music. I just really wanted to play music. And it got to about two hours before the night was about to open, which I even had a cut of the night. Three, like me and two friends got offered the Friday night at a club in Leeds, brand new, just opening. And an hour before I was like, oh wait, I, need, I ain't got any music. <laughs> so I'm there like on iTunes, like buying Usher albums. And now I look back, it was the complete wrong music for, yeah. the, for the night that it was. But, that was a stepping stone. That was an opportunity that I got that I grasped and tried my hardest with. And that's that's what you got to do. Just take every opportunity. And there ain't a rule book. There isn't a rule book either. Like what works for me might not work for somebody else. Mm. So we've touched on different because of the speed of mixing in and out. 
what else? What else makes your sets different? Why are people sitting up and listening to you? You'll see in about in about three hours. Yeah, for people again that don't know when we're when we're recording, I've managed to get Danny not only here and get a podcast out of him, but I've then strapped him to a set of decks to get him to play at Quids in Newcastle later on tonight. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, what, what else yeah. is it? Is it is it mic work? Is it the mic work's got a, a lot to do with it? It has got a lot of. You can add so much personality with mic work. You can be. You can almost make the crowd want to challenge and better each other, which is like, right, I'm going to go crazier than that person without actually saying, can you go a bit crazier than them, please? Knock each other's heads off, yeah. Without going too far, you can really, you can control a crowd. You can literally like, you can have the crowd in the palm of your hands. Like you could literally like, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard, to, de- it's hard to describe because I just do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it now. It's, it's come from... It's never been like, right, let me sit back and think, how can I do this? It's always been a slow progression of building up and, yeah, that works better, so I'll use that. That works better, so I'll do that. And it's it's been a slow progression. So to me, it's not like, uh, I don't think about it, it just happens now. Mm. So thinking back is actually quite hard to think. How could I do? Like you, I won't you, be. I'm asking you to unlearn everything that yeah, you know yeah. naturally do, right? Which <laughs> and is break it all down again. It is. It is going to be a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask, and this I want to ask both of you guys separately this same question, right? Um, last long years playing gigs, doing all this sort of stuff, and then hometown Leeds, you sell out Leeds First Direct Arena, five and a bit thousand people. Like, what? First off, Casey, what does it feel like watching your mate and client whatever you want to call it walk out in front of five and a bit thousand people um it's weird we had a conversation at the start of the year and it was very much like okay obviously off the back of Leeds Arena like where do we go from here sort of like what's no, the O2. next step O2. O2. I did because I did the O2 Academy the year before yes, yes. and church six months before that mm-hmm. so it was like O2 Academy is the biggest venue in Leeds where do we go next mm. yeah. like Nah, I can't, I can't do it. As a, there's a video of me on my Snapchat after I'd had my hair cut, heading to the O2 going, one day, one day, going past Leeds Arena. And I was like, actually said this. I actually 365 went, days. I literally went, one day, one day, one day I'll play here. Nah, nah, I'm joking, but it's always nice to dream. And that was just over a year it. before. Okay, so he's walking out, what's it like? I think at that time it was, ugh, it was just an, an idea, but... I think anything that we sort of set our stall out to do, it like it has actually happened that way. And that's not through like, you know, you can sit here and say, oh, it's law and attraction or it's this, that and the other. But yeah, I think it's, it's just, there's a very sort of clear vision about, you know, how far we want to take this, where it's not completely mapped out of how we're going to do it. But I think Danny's willingness to try stuff and my sort of relentlessness in making it happen, that's kind of where it's been a real success mm-hmm. in the, he has very, very crazy ideas. I can kind of tone them down or refine them or shape them into something that's going to elevate what we've already done. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's nice to see like Danny doing something he loves. Uh, and obviously there's other benefits that come from that. But yeah, I think to put someone in an environment where they get to do something that they love every single day, you know, earn a living off of it, like that's, that's actually been the biggest reward of it. That's awesome. Danny walking out on stage, 500,000 people. <laughs> I, it was just like, there's no way to describe it. Right, you imagine you're in Newcastle City Centre or Leeds City Centre walking down 
and one person screams as loud as they can. Mm. You hear that person over two, three thousand people around you. Mm. Imagine that times five thousand all at the same time. For you. As you stepped out and I'm you're like, oh my God, how's this even like how's this even real? How's even afterwards for four or five days afterwards, I was still like I'd watched the the walk the video of me walking out and I was like, how have I how have I even done that? Like how how is that even mm. achievable or a possibility or like it did just seem like just just not even real, not even real at all. That's cool, man. But like you know, that's you you're actualizing, you get into what it is that but you But no point do. was I like nervous. I wasn't I wasn't nervous at all. I had loads of people messing, oh but you're so nervous. And I was like, take my phone. I can't see people mm. telling me I should be nervous. Because I'm not. If I didn't want to do this, I wouldn't have tried to do it. Like, I wonder. I've sat there and gone, I want to do this. Why would I be nervous? Because I've chosen to do it. I've not done it to impress other people. I've done it because it f- felt good and it was the next progression for me and myself in my career. So I spoke to Cozzy, I spoke to Christoph um, about this, and he says that even now he'll play for him a small size gig, which might be, you know, 2,000 to 5,000 people. Like, the smallest gigs he plays, he still shits himself every time. This is a guy who supported Eric Prids on New Year's Eve, 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 New Year's Eve, Eve, and New Year's Eve, like, for the last few years. Played at the biggest venues, played Creamfields, played everything. First, the first issue lineup release for Creamfields this year and Ultra has him on the, the top banner. And he's, like, drinking desperately trying to calm his nerves like doing his like his ex-missus got him doing breathing exercises before he goes out like but do you know what though this is the difference he's come in from being sat at a computer making music progressing making better music loving music making music he loves to then having to be a dj i've come from being a big personality party animal dj then i've learned to make music mm. so the 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 ballsy side of it, the me being on stage is no problem because I've been on stage thousands of times before. Yeah, I think it's I not mean, like I'm chucked in at the deep end. It's like yeah. I've gone, I've gone through that. Like to me, someone chucking me in a studio with four people surrounding me. That's where I'm like, oh. If you god. and Eric Prids were sat next, yeah, to I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Whereas he's the exact opposite. I think like, so. To push back on that a bit, Christoph's played a lot of gigs like yeah, back, yeah, yeah. Back, back in the day he'll have played thousands but this is something that I know that we wanted to get onto which is to do with mental health and other things and I've had this in my mind for ages it's unbelievable that there are people out there who have a particular talent in one area like a, a, a an eccentrically brilliant talent in one area of their life but they don't have the personality makeup which allows them to maximise it and yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the perfect example of this is Avicii yeah, you know, yeah. you have this guy who is capable of making the music, capable of playing the shows. He does the branding. He does, you know, everything, but he doesn't have the personality which allows him to deal with the lifestyle. He didn't want to do the shows, though. He was pulling his shows. He didn't want to be doing the shows. Mm. That was it. He he couldn't handle that much attention, albeit, like, the social media side of it as well would have been massive, but... Like it is crazy. You could you could be in a room with a thousand people. If one person says you shit, that hurts. Nine hundred ninety nine people could think you're amazing, and that feels great. But that one person that that could literally just 
or even tweet afterwards. That's like a, a second kind of, it's a second wave of insults now. Someone doesn't have to just say it to your face. Mm. They could tweet you afterwards. Well, far fewer people probably will say it to your face now. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, the Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson. Do you see the Mike Tyson thing that's blown up today? It no. Says, um, what is it? There's, uh, Social media has allowed people to be brave enough to say things. Say horrible things without getting punched in the yeah, face. Without fearing the repercussion of getting punched. Without in the face. getting punched in the face, and that's so, that's so true. Massive. I've had people that have like slagged me off online, walk up to me like face to face, and shake my hand, and then I realised afterwards that they'd been slagging that, me off online. Guy. I was yeah. like, eh, "How do you have the balls to do that online?" But then in real life, you're like. Just scared. It's You're not just... exactly the smallest guy in no, real life. No, no, no. What, uh, <laughs> what have you been doing then? Obviously, people that don't know, can you tell us first off about what happens every summer with regards to your lifestyle? And then can you tell me about how you've coped with that or what your coping mechanisms are and whether there were any periods where you were kind of not doing the self-care and maybe there are Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll go back a bit further first because if there's any like resident DJs that really want to get themselves out there, Going abroad is one of the best things that you'll do. Go do a season abroad. Go do five seasons abroad. Go, <laughs> just go and enjoy yourself. Just At like Luke yeah, <laughs> just just go, just go and do it. Like I I started to build a following in Malia by using what we've discussed before. That's where it all kind of started. Before the online stuff started, it started in in real life. Like I was a resident. Casey came out. This is before he'd started being my manager. He came out as a friend. To Malia for four days, and we're like, "Why are you? Why are you still a resident DJ?" And I was like, "It's ace. I love it. I get to play at these massive clubs on a weekend. It's brilliant." He was like, "There's twenty five guys over there with Danny T T shirts on that you don't even sell. They've had them made themselves, and there's four guys over there just got your name tattooed on them. Like, why are you still a resident? You could definitely get booked as an artist, and that's how it all started. That is literally how." That is literally how that side of things all Why started. does abroad make a difference? Why does the season make a difference? Everything's more heightened abroad. Everyone's more excited. Everyone's got to... They hold on to those memories. They see someone seven nights in a row on holiday. They associate that with having a great time, being drunk, meeting new people. And if you've made their night seven nights in a row, they'll love you forever. There's people coming tonight that saw me in Malia in 2012, 13, 14, like... They'll remember you forever. They're literally like, people People are trying to book me for like, can you, oh, can you come and play at my wedding? I'm marrying a girl I met in Malia in 2014. People remember like... I would love, absolutely <laughs> love to see a Danny T wedding set. I did, I did one in the Dominican yeah. with my friends, uh, my friends, I went, I went over to the Dominican. What was the first track? Lion King. <laughs> Big wobbly Lion King, Lion King bootleg. Jeez. Okay, so go abroad and then tell me, like, what's a week? Give me a week, Monday to Sunday, what's a week? Right, like? so that was when I used to actually go and just live over there for, like, 100 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, the last two years have been, I've had, like, three or four weeklies in resorts. So it'd be Friday night in the UK at a gig somewhere, <clears throat> anywhere in the UK, Saturday same again, a gig in the UK, straight to the straight to the airport Sunday, fly to a resort Sunday, play in that resort. Then the Monday, two flights to get from one Greek resort to another Greek resort. Last summer, I managed to get two days in Zante where I was just working the Monday and then Tuesday, I actually just got to chill. 
and then two flights to Napa on the Wednesday, fly back Thursday, have a day with my missus on Thursday, and then straight back to UK Friday, times 15 weeks. So it's like, like sort 80, of May until September. Yeah, June, yeah. June till September. I did like 87 flights, I think it was last summer. And I was petrified of flying. Like I was like, I don't like, I hear the word anxious and anxiety, but that's, I was you were like anxious. sweaty palms. Oh my God, we're going to die if we turned right. Like I was the worst flyer. <laughs> Dave was laughing behind the camera. What, uh, what are you like after 87 flights then? Uh, I've conquered my own fear. Through breathing exercises. Because he's done the same thing. Christoph's yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, Not yeah. through breathing exercises, but just through exposure therapy. It's like, if your dream is to DJ around the world and the thing that you have to overcome to do that is flying, it's like you have something which allows you to transcend your fear. Mm. You know I mean? Prince won't fly. Prince, no, he, so he does. Or he does he on, flying, on, on very, well, I mean, how do you think he gets back home? Like he doesn't swim. Yeah, I no, thought he had to get yeah, trained both. No, 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 no. So he, he does he does fly, but it's oh, very yeah. limited. And because he said this, yeah, so he doesn't fly across America. Doing an America tour. Imagine if you're doing East Coast to West Coast. Like he's on a he's on a bus with Cosy, yeah, and yeah. like Christoph's just sat there like I could have fucking been there in three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's doing a, a I just got on the plane. I journey. just got a flight. Okay, so you we've spoken about about the flying, but you know that's a your sleep's being messed up, your diet, your training, yeah, your nutrition, yeah. like. How are you? What's your headspace like? Have you had periods where that's really damaged you, or did you have periods where your headspace went wayward? In I've been more physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, than actually like felt low. Like a lot of DJs, a lot of DJs will play a massive a, a massive gig, play in front of loads of people, whether it's an artist or a resident, leave and then they feel horrendous. They feel really low, upset. They don't like what's going on. They're like, they feel as if they've let everybody down. It's like, and I get where that would come from, but I love that time afterwards. Like after, after the arena show, five and a half thousand people left. I went and had a wander and a smile, just wandered around the arena. Like as if, all these people came and stood here. Like that to me, I I loved that. I, I like a bit of like private time. Mm. Whereas for a lot of DJs, especially when like alcohol and amongst other things are involved, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. The night's building. Oh, it's a big drop. Where's all my friends? That's, that's precisely what Christoph brought up on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. For him, especially because of how ruthless his tour is, he'll go three or four days without being in a bed sometimes yeah. because of the, the length of the flights, the change of the time zones, the number of flights and, and transfers yeah, yeah. and stuff. And he said, um, I wonder whether or not Casey is this part of the saving grace for this and the fact that you've constructed a team that is around you because Cosy doesn't have a tour manager. Mm. So he plays this gig, he'll smash the, smash the ass off supporting Fair Play or Adam Bayer or whatever it might be and then come back to a hotel room on your own, surrounded yeah, yeah. by a bit of room service. That's Devo. That's Devo. Casey. Casey doesn't tour with me. Casey's like, Casey lives his life how I live my life. And when I'm not DJing, like I'm in bed by ten o'clock. Good. Yeah, but I think like sort of going on even sort of further to what you said, like the fact that 
you kind of had your heyday and party day when you was a resident in yeah, Mario. Yeah, You've kind of lived those experience. Now, because you are so motivated musically and with your career, yeah. etc., there is for some DJs that that drive and urgency to have that escapism, you know, with like drinking after their sets to avoid that sober come down, if you like, of oh, this is the reality that I'm faced with. I've just gone from being on stage and having this massive high. And then, you know, sort of the realisation that comes after that, where some people will try and escape it with alcohol, etc. I think for you, because you can kind of embrace it and you actually mm. like it and you want to be motivated the next day for work, like that's where you get the... For me, yeah. the lowest of the low feeling would be telling myself I'm getting up at 11 o'clock and waking up at 7pm and thinking, oh, well, I've just let myself down here. Mm. That's that's much worse for me. Like, But if I'm on stage for 60 minutes, as much as I'm thoroughly enjoying myself, it's still a job. I've got a job to do. I've got a job to just to smash it out of the park for those 60 minutes. The time afterwards is reflection on how good the job was or how good the... I, can't, I don't. I don't want to call it a job because when I first started, I wanted to do it for free. It's just it just so happens to pay now. But the performance, I like to think about it afterwards and be like, "Yeah, that was sick." That was. Do like, you listen to your sets back ever? To no, no. Of- I can just remember. We've well, obviously we have video content for every gig. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know which kind of drops have been the biggest. I and I always. I'll be like. Yeah, that one was good. Make sure we've got a video of that. There is, there is a period of your uh, post-work reflection that allows you to iterate on improving that, though, right? Yeah. So I was I've literally today a podcast's gone out with James from podcast.co um, where I talked about mine. And Rogan says that he never, ever listens to his podcasts back, which is interesting because he always listens to his stand-up routines back. And I think it's because... First off, he's going to be so busy that after having spent three hours recording with someone, <laughs> then spending another three hours yeah, listening yeah, to yeah. it back is a little you bit get much. get tired of your own voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think the other thing is that he he finds podcasting to be so well within his domain of competence that he doesn't need to. But for me at the moment, as someone who's still trying to improve and iterate on that, I think that reflection period is really, really important. But you, you touched on something real important, which is I think a lot of DJs don't consider their job a job. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, like, I am the guy, I'm a fantastic example of who you need to impress. I've got four nights a week in Newcastle, either, you know, multiple rooms of those. There's f- probably a hundred grand of wages going out to DJs between all the different rooms, all the different bits. So I want a person who's going to turn up on time. I want someone who's going to put some social media up during the day. Without me asking. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. me having to fucking go, oh, hi, mate, would you mind fucking This is it? our book. Do you know what it is? <laughs> I think that's kind of... Initially, Danny's sort of appeal to DJing was very much just an amplified party lifestyle. And the fact that he was... But I would still DJ. never... I would still never... Belay or sack it off or not do the best job I could. I would never drink myself into oblivion and do a really Well, I would. But I'd still be able to perform. I'd still be able to do... I'd still be able to do the set. But I think that sort of that... You call it DJ etiquette. That sort of those lower level basics of professionalism, it seemed to be absent for quite a few DJs. There was something I sort of observed, and I think even you in the early days, because you had that and that was just because you wanted to be everyone's friend and you were that larger than life personality. I think particularly DJs don't realize how far that goes. You know, 
yes, you need to be a technically good DJ and obviously be able to read a crowd and all of those sort of fundamentals. But if you're not a nice person or, you know, mm. you're late or you're not posting on social media, you're not supporting an event, people aren't going to want to book you. I mean, the, the DJ skills are what get you through the door. There's this blog post that someone sent to me the other day that talks about why nice guys thinks that think that girls should like them. It's like, hang on a second, you think that because you're kind to your mum and you're always on time and you always put kisses at the end of a text <laughs> that girls should like you. They're like, fuck you, you do not know what girls like. There is a man out there who can do all of that and he plays the guitar. And you're like, that's it, that's the yeah, fucking yeah, guy yeah, that yeah. plays the guitar. That's, yeah. So you've going back to like just just being that happy, friendly, jolly guy. I was on the phone to somebody, but the, our sky won't working in our bedroom last night. I know it wasn't because I, I've had to put someone on for free. Tonight <laughs> yeah. because of so I, was, I don't even know if I've ta- I put it on my story. I don't know if you've seen it. So I was on the phone to someone from Sky, and he were cracking a few jokes. Like he thought he were a, he were like a a, a funny guy, and he, he walked quite entertaining. To be fair, it was like. It was a bit of breath of fresh air that somebody that was sorting you, like fixing your sky was actually like putting a bit of personality into the call. Mm. And uh, it was like, oh, so uh, oh, what, what were you trying to watch when it's not working, blah, blah, blah. And then we got talking. I was like, oh, where, where are you from in the northeast? Could tell he was from the northeast. It was like, oh, Newcastle. I was like, playing there tomorrow. He's like, where at? I was like, digital. He was like, we love digital. Oh, my God. Uh, he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a deal if... You sort me out. If I fix your sky tonight, <laughs> you put me and my friends on in VIP at Digital tomorrow night. It's a fucking and that easy, was it. easy deal for and you, mate. You know, it's my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know and Rebecca, my missus Rebecca said, as, as soon as she was like, as soon as she heard that, she went, my God, you'll make friends with anyone. And I was like, "That's that falls back into this. It's just like, Demeanor. Why would you conduct? Why would you not? Like, I, I totally respect people that don't want to make loads of friends, but just mm. I don't know. I just attract friends. I just I like. Think, I think the the point that you've made there is you are at a competitive advantage if you can. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's just especially in this in, this industry. It's people, man. You know, like, and the, the, we touched on it before. Like, you have to be able to deliver the product. I'll happily sack a nice DJ who's shit at DJing, but. I'll pick over two DJs that are the same. I'll pick the one that's pushing the social media. I'll pick the one that does everything else. Mm. But as we've said at the very beginning, a lot of DJs look at all of the ancillary shit, (laughs) all the stuff around the outside where it's like, are you releasing a monthly mix? Probably a pretty good player. If I was a DJ, first thing I would do would be to have like build up a mix following Keep, sharpens my skills, keeps me relevant with people. And you're searching for new music. All the time. Because you can't just put the same stuff on every mix. You've got mm-hmm. to constantly be hunting for new stuff. Mm. The foundation of kind of what I put into play with Danny in the very beginning was your your personality is great. And, you know, musically, people know who you are and they will watch you on Fridays and Saturdays, potentially Sundays while they're hungover and scrolling through their phone. But that midweek between Monday and Thursday, what are you doing to grab people's attention? Like, are you engaging with those people? Are you putting out a mix? Like, as a DJ, you're meant to be their resource of information for music. Like, how are you keeping them engaged? How are you, like, letting them know about music? So a monthly mix was a, a great foundation for us. And then, yeah. Or some weeks I'll put three mixes out. Yeah. Three mixes a week out. When when my, my SoundCloud was at its height, SoundCloud's dropped off. Everyone's kind of gone towards Spotify playlists now rather than actual DJ mixes you can still get get good players on DJ mixes 
people still do want them and still like for them like them but they weren't soundcloud was just like the one mm. and as i could see everything progressing i was like wait i can put out two mixes this week go on i'll put another one out tomorrow and i was like because i was just sat at home just hunt, hunting for music like even even when i was in malia i'd wake up and the lads would like like go past on the on on their peds past a restaurant and beat the horn, laughing and joking, because I was sat staring at my laptop, and they were going to sunbathe for four hours, mm. and I'd be sat there. But did it feel like work? No, no, because I was enjoying it, and sunbathing's boring. <laughs> so, so, perfect, another thing that keeps on coming back in a lot of conversations I'm having, your competitive advantage in life is doing what for you feels like fun, but for everyone else feels like work. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is the easiest way to find, and for me, it's this. You know, like I've got work tonight till three in the morning, which is even later than you, depending on whether or not you're drinking. Um, You've got to go back to Leeds. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've got that tonight, but I, I hassle you to come and do this podcast because I'd have felt remiss. Like I'd, oh, I, I want to know what it's like to walk out on stage in front yeah, of five. Yeah. So for me, I am at a competitive advantage for other people for whom this would be, you're lovely, but this would be fucking <laughs> torture, right? I'm enjoying it, and so is everyone that's listening. But some people wouldn't want to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Even some of the audience. But that's just you taking, not taking advantage, but that's you, like, yeah, taking advantage of an opportunity that that could arise for both of us. It's just you. Mm-hmm. It's the one. It's you've but got to I, want I would, I would do this. I would do this even if there was no opportunity coming off the back of it. It's, I would do this and not put it out. It's them yeah, from yeah, you yeah, doing yeah. what you love. And I think literally, like, a big part of my job is, I said this to you at the start of the year, like, that feeling, that sensation that you got walking on stage at the mm. First Direct Arena, my job through and through is to facilitate as many of those moments as possible this yeah, year yeah. and beyond. Like, the fact that you get to do what you love, if I can make that happen time and time and time again, that's wholeheartedly why I exist. That is my job role in its entirety. Mm. The same for you, the fact that you're able to do what you love, like, why wouldn't you do that over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. And the thing as well is on top of that, you're, there's this brilliant example I got from James Clear, a guy that wrote Atomic Habits, and um, he was talking about Steffi Graf. Remember Steffi Graf, the tennis player? Uh, so, no, no, I'm, I'm only 90. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. Steffi. So Steffi Graf was Did she part. get start? No, that was, did she get shot? She's still alive. No, not dead, just shot. I don't know. Why would, that's a weird thing to happen. If anyone knows whether or not Steffi Graf's being shot, please leave it in the comments below. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I thought, it, no, no, it was the other one that got stabbed on court. Tennis player. Is this in, have you imagined this, Danny? No, what is she called? Monica Sellers got stabbed on court. But they were like, if anyone knows rivals. if Monica Sellers has been stabbed on court, please. So she's about 12 years old. She's in the German youth tennis setup. They do a, an assessment, two broad spectrums. One of them is, uh, capability athletically and the other one is mindset and it turns out that Steffi Graf was um, the highest rated in terms of her technical ability she was also the highest rated in terms of love for the sport mm. so it's like hang on a second let's say that you have all the talent that Steffi Graf does she'll still outwork you and it won't even feel like work to yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean like that is a formidable person to come up against do you know what it's so aside from managing Danny, I also like consult with other people. And the one thing that's been consistent throughout it is if you're an entrepreneur, a creative or someone where, you know, you're putting something out there to some people, you have to have your why. And if you don't love what you do, like you'll end up giving up. 
And I think the fact is, like, it hasn't always been easy for you, but the fact that you just want to DJ and you absolutely love it through and through, that's what gives you the consistency to, like, continue going, even when it hasn't been ideal, hasn't, like, been as smooth as people may perceive it. Like, I just think if you want to be successful, like, having your why in terms of, you know, really, really loving what you do, that's what will enable you to... I've I've said on earth, like, if I stopped enjoying this, I'd, I'd stop. Yeah. I wouldn't just else. carry on doing it just because it pays the bills. I'll go get a job. Like it's, mm. I wouldn't do it making me miserable because it's made me so happy over the years. Why would I want that to go down? Like stay on a high, like stay, leave, just just park it. Mm. Park that. I don't enjoy it anymore. Do a retirement gig, make loads of money. And then, <laughs> and then do, uh, and then go on and whatever do something next. else. Yeah, whatever, come, whatever comes next or whatever. Well, there's that Nietzsche quote, which is a man with a strong enough why can bear any how. And you're like, there you go. There, yeah. like, I'm, I'm happy to go through fucking fire and brimstone if kind of the challenge is worth it. Mm. So, you know, you'll, there'll have been nights where you've been basically no sleep, getting on a plane, fucking strapping your eye mask off. I've seen photos of you. You look like a, <laughs> you look like a Teletubby oh, just from the a, face that's, up that's with like... Some... That's some tech. That's some techers. Is that? uh, right, okay. techers is so that? <laughs> um, I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit to the people that are listening. Danny's been teasing me with his travel hacks. Oh mate, I need to go. Like, I've got the best life <laughs> mate, hacks in the there's world. There's loads that hacks. I can't even share with you because if they start doing it, they'll cotton onto it. And we won't be. Yeah, You'll ruin it for the rest. Okay, of them. so there's a, there's a few I, I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, no, and, and I want you to be able to give us some that you're prepared to make. Right, sleeping on planes. Bearing in mind, I used to be so anxious on a flight that I just had to cling on to the seat in front and couldn't couldn't let go until we'd stopped mm. for average of four hours, seven, eight flights a week. You can imagine how painful that was to start with. Now, the whole summer, last summer, 87 flights, I was awake for no more than 15 minutes on each flight. What do you do? What's your process? Good, good headphones that go over the ear. What do you use? I've just got beats, like soft, soft grey beats that go over the top. So make sure they're soft because if they're in your ear, you could wake up because it's hurting the inside of your ear. Earpods don't work. I I love my earpods, but they don't work for this. So over the top of the ear, um, I use, just use the the Headspace free trial. Mm-hmm. Just loop the ten the ten meditation ten minute. You know they've got a, a, a sleep noise, which is like white noise, but for sleep. Have you mm. heard that? And it's like different yeah, levels of hums and... I and have that to go sleep. It's dream. an sleep aid. So okay, mm. similar stuff. Okay, so you've got that some and, a, and an eye mask. An mm. eye mask that doesn't touch the lids of your eyes. What eye Otherwise, mask do you use? Do you know where you got it from? It's an Amazon one, but it's like a round pad. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. That goes around. If it touches your eyelids, you wake up with really dry eyes and your eyes all stuck together. Okay. If it doesn't touch your eyelids, you, you literally wake up and you... Oh, I should have done that. So you literally wake up and you're like fresh and ready to go. So like, they're like, um, for people that are just listening, they're kind of like furry goggles, aren't they? But with something over yeah, the front yeah, of the yeah, goggle yeah. as well. Yeah, they look like uh, like a World War World War One pilot goggles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and... I've got a, like a, 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 it's like a, it's not a breathing mask. It doesn't help you breathe, but it just stops. Like planes are literally the most unhealthy air in the world. It's just. Oh, so you've got. Like I a, have one of those that clips around and just. Do you know where you got your mask? Yeah, just, I'm, I buy everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Can you remember the brand at all? No, 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 I can't. I'll try and get you to send it to me. If I can find it, it'll 
be in the show notes below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got that. What about um, a cushion for the neck? Yeah, you've got to have a sort. I've got the same one and it, the same one I've had for like three years now, and it's it needs a wash. It needs a good wash, <laughs> good wash now. But I've never found one that's better. You've got to make sure when it's clipped together, you can't touch like your ear on your shoulders because mm-hmm. otherwise you end up like. I woke up before without one and being like, oh my God, how am I going to, how am I going to DJ? I'm like pushing my head. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, like, what have I done to myself? Get your ear glued to your shoulder. Yeah. yeah, Okay. So we got that. What about sort of posture? What about seat choice? Do you try aim for an aisle, aim for a window, aim for the front? That's a hack within itself. That's, that's a hack and a separate conversation, which I'll speak to you about afterwards. Secret info. But. If you book a if you book a seat towards the front of the plane, it isn't as turbulent as the back. That's interesting. You don't get shaken as much. If you think about it, the wings are there. This it, the wings are there left and right. Your first point mm. is the first bit. It's the wings that are going up and down, not the front of the plane. So as the wings are going up and down, the back's moving more than the front. That's interesting. So you always get worse turbulence at the back of the plane. I might have just made that up, but in my head it works. And I always if, have. If you've made, if you've made I it always up. have some. I always, no. I think that's true. I I've like, but I'm I haven't researched or read if, that. If anywhere. you've made it up, someone will call it out. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah, the internet, yeah. Oh, that's the internet good. is listening, Danny. So. But I've 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 been on loads of flights at the front. They've been fine. Loads of flights at the back, and the back flights are always a lot. Like they feel a lot bumpier, mm. even like. When there's no turbulence, like you know, when they don't have the seatbelt sign on, mm-hmm. even when you're allowed to walk around, the back of the plane definitely bounces more. What's the um, most efficient way to get through an airport? Run. <laughs> it is worth paying two pound fifty in advance for fast track security. Okay, straight through. If you book it well in advance, it's two two pound fifty. It's is it, that with anyone that's like EasyJet or no? No, you book it direct airport. through the airport. Right. Okay. Yeah, I've been on, I've been on flights before that. If I didn't, if I didn't have that, I'd one hundred percent miss my flights. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I suppose the problem is, it's all well and good. I can turn up to pretty much any flight departing from Newcastle because from here it is ten minutes yeah. to the airport. I can leave here an hour and fifteen before I need to depart, even with hold luggage, and be on the plane fine, unless there's a queue at security. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a queue at security. You done fucked. Like and no, then, no, if if you if there's a queue at security, all you do is run to the front and go, I'm about to miss my flight, and they'll let you go straight through. Okay, there's a hack. There's a there's a yeah. good hack. <laughs> what about other stuff? What about are you taking water on board? Are you making sure if you got like Every airport's now got a tap at the other side, so just take an empty bottle of plastic water if you don't. Tap at the other side. So, as soon as you go through security, there's now a drinking tap. Really? In every UK airport, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if they've legally had to put it in, but they've... You've noticed. Everyone I've gone through now, they have one of those little... So you've got like a like pro- taps, protein so. shaker or like a good a chilli bottle Yeah, or just take, take a bottle. To be fair, I'm like so in a rush, I'm not even like that prepared sometimes. Yeah. I'm just like, right, quick, grab it. Well, water's free on the plane. Mm, you want to have it, do you know what I mean? You want the yeah, big yeah, bottle yeah, that you've got with you at all times. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, a good one. I've, it's already been on Life Hacks, but... Uh, WH Smith versus Boots. If you go into WH Smith, they've got buttered saurine loaves, uh, and it's fifty pence less for the, <laughs> for the meal deal. Uh, and they've actually got, I think, a more premium selection of sandwiches. So, fuck go. Boots. That's what I'm saying. 
Sorry, I still, I'm still after a sponsorship if you want to give me some, yeah. free, <laughs> some free toiletries. What else? So what else have you got from... You've got to, got to, got to, got to make sure your liquid's in a bag because that could save you 25 minutes there. Don't make any mistakes. No, well, I don't, depends how, how many times you travel. If you travel a lot, I know my laptop has to come out. I know my phone charger has to come out. That's that's always good to have, a, a phone charger mm. to take on the plane because mm. if your iPhone's not the latest one, they make sure it doesn't last four hours. Um, so always have like a phone charger. 20 quid for the massive ones and it, it charges your phone six or eight times. Five times, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I yeah. could literally take that on on the road for four days mm-hmm. and it'll just keep charging I'm, my phone. I'm, I'm going to Athens this weekend for my birthday and I'm taking an external charger and I don't need to worry about having a plug socket. I've got yeah, nothing yeah, else yeah. that I need to charge. My Kindle will last for five weeks because yeah. they're monstrous. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right, you've got your external charger. You don't even care about what the yeah. power port is. I just bought one for my laptop to take on. A laptop Big one, yeah, external yeah. charger? yeah, yeah. No way does that exist. Yeah, it's for the that's for the road. I just bought it. Hundred quid off Amazon. Shit. How many laptop chargers? I haven't tried it yet. What does it say? It must have told you. How many laptop chargers do you get out of your charger? One? I don't know. Fucking hell. I just went for the biggest one that Dave Dave obviously knows about carrying camera equipment through and if it's over a hundred watt, you're not allowed to take it through security if they spot it. Hold luggage. So I knew that it wasn't allowed to be more than 100 95 watts. watts so I just I just got the 100 watt one, mm. which was the, like, that was the biggest one. But it's about this big. It's not even that heavy. It's got a fan built into it to keep it cool. Shit it's like, bed. it's not even that heavy. Some cool piece it. of kit, that though. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you run out of battery on your on your laptop that much? Yeah, on the road, yeah. Not, well, not, well, with my old laptop that would last about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a new laptop that, uh that I significantly had better. I had my last one stolen. When I what about for on the road then? Let's say that, you, that you're driving. you got any cool travel hacks for, for driving around on the road? Like, have you got a preference on? Most, most um, service stations have got, be it Rustlers or, or Baby Milk free microwaves. So you can actually take decent food on the road. You don't have to just live on meal deals. So you could potentially pre-cook all of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pre-cook some stuff. That's what I do. I've got it. Oh, I've got it in a bag here. Mm-hmm. Well, do I use my microwave? <laughs> I'm fifty p. Not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Road hacks. Come on, you're with me all the time. What? Um, drive at night. <laughs> how, to, how to not pay for parking? <laughs> Drive at night. <laughs> Drive at night. Man, I mean, anyone that's... Between the hours of, like, 7am and 9 and then 3.30pm and 5.30, the roads are just... Oh, Leeds is till 8. Easy. Really? Can't move. Especially around the arena as well, I'm guessing. Uh, not even the arena. The whole of the city centre is just, just mad, isn't it? My, oh. my parents live 10 miles away from me at the opposite side of Leeds. It's half an hour in no traffic, an hour and 45 minutes if it's busy. I live in London, it's just all fun. Yeah, yeah. Get the train. train <laughs> Have you ever been to LA? No. Yes. Have you it's seen the traffic in LA? Yeah, it's horrendous. It's a, it's beyond anything you've ever seen. Like, yeah, yeah. And the thing as well is it's there's so many lanes. It's mind-blowing that you're on a motorway and you're like, oh, there must be a crash ahead. You're like, no, this just this is just cars. what traffic is like yeah, out here. Yeah, yeah. Nose to tail for miles. It's like, like Dubai. It's like at one point the motorway, the freeway, in Dubai, it's 11 lanes each way wide. But the thing with Dubai, this is what blew me away, is that is a city which has been designed for millions of people to live there. Mm. So you can be doing 70 miles an hour, 90 seconds before you reach your destination in the middle of the city, and then you'll 
peel off on this like real weird spaghetti yeah, junction yeah, yeah. and then it just deposits you on like the Palm Jumeirah beach or whatever and you're like how the fuck did I, I was on a motorway two seconds ago how yeah, did I get yeah, here yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's that is good so, or if you take a wrong turn you've got a 17 mile detour to get back to where you <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit challenging yeah you don't want to fuck up with that um, so, I try <laughs> tight Yorkshireman coming out here so we, we've been to Dubai me and my missus have been to Dubai like four times now not the last time we went, the time before that. Bearing in mind, you can get a taxi from the airport to any hotel in Dubai for about 15 quid. Mm. It's not actually Uber that expensive. Uber is outrageously yeah, yeah, cheap yeah. out there. It's insane. It's so cheap. And there's even like, the local taxis are even cheaper than Uber. Mm. Um, so we got there and I was like, right, no, we're going to exploit. It was night time as well. It was pitch black. We decided to get the train, which it was, it was probably about six o'clock. Or seven o'clock. It had gone dark, but it wasn't like the middle of the night. Mm. The train was still running. I was like, right, we'll get dropped off at the bottom of the palm and then just walk up to five, which is the hotel we're staying at. It's only a hundred yards or something. Got there and I was like, oh my God, there's four motorways in between here and the bottom of the palm. <laughs> uh, there's no footpaths. You can't walk anywhere. So I, I was I like, couldn't believe it. how are we going to flag a taxi down here? Like, oh, Where do you need like, to go? Um, there. <laughs> And I looked, and I looked, and we were literally at the bottom of the palm, from the hotel, uh, from from the airport, on the train, bottom of the palm, flagged down a taxi, and we were at what I thought it was going to be, two or three hundred yard walk from the train station. It was a seven mile car journey to get there in, in the oh, taxi shit, once we've got because you can't just go straight up; you have to go like round and then. Don't go too far because you'll end up on that motorway and then back on yourself and then up the palm and then you have to go a mile past five to turn back and come back down the palm to get to it. Like <laughs> It is, man. I mean, anyway... So if you go to Dubai, don't be tight. Just, just pay for a taxi. It's, it's cheap. so cheap, man. Yeah, you're right. Um, so we wanted to touch on some mental health stuff today as well. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys been having sort of many discussions about this recently? Has there been any... We have a lot just in life anyway. Just Yeah, yeah. We, we want to write a book called... How, how to be an idiot. No, no, how to survive in a world full of yeah. idiots. <laughs> as an uh, as an idiot? No, no, no. no. Right, no. okay. Just, so how do, how do I survive in a world full of idiots? Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> hey. with, with, with the, the our, our most common thing that we say to each other is that common sense is the least common thing in the world. Like, it's actually... So ironic because common sense is not common at all. Give me an example of some uncommon common sense. Oh, uh, how to undo a light bulb. <laughs> 80% of people don't know how to change a light bulb. They'd have Where to have you work got that stuff from? Oh, I can't remember. I've read it somewhere. But Is this the same <laughs> I... place that you read being at the back of the yeah. <laughs> I've probably just made that up as well. I, I can't remember. I mean, bayonet things are a little bit like non-logical. Like the way that you put a bayonet light bulb in. What else? What else is uncommon? Oh, I know sense? loads of people that don't know there's two types of light bulb. Okay, two types yeah. of fixing. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know, like, people that are buying houses, like grown adults, 25, 30 year olds that, that don't know that there's two different types of light bulb. There's people listening now that are going, fucking two types of light bulb. Two types of light <laughs> <laughs> um, What else? What else? Uncommon. Let's, ju- let's do the mental health thing. That's going to be right, cool. easier. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me. What have you been thinking about recently? What have you been talking about? Well, it's obviously week? massive, and it? it's 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 probably the biggest buzz word. I don't know if buzz means that it's like a positive thing or not, but it's it's so it's so talked about in life in general in the media that 
that mental health is this big problem that I think I've never actually sat there and like Googled, how do I not have mental health? Like everybody's got mental health. I've just put some things in place that I think work to make sure I don't have any problems. What like, what are they? Like, like the feeling of nostalgia. It's good to throw back to your childhood. I've got a bicycle. I do like loads of bike rides. And that, that to me is not just a bit of fitness. That to me is like, I finished the bike ride and I'm like, ah, oh, that were amazing. I felt like a big kid again. It's like the feeling of going, wee when you're a kid going down a hill. Like that is a feeling of like the best, not the, not that your life might be bad now, but like the most trouble-free, easy, calm, happy times of your life is just being a kid when you have no worries. So putting things in place that bring you back to that, I think are just, it's a tiny little thing that you can do to to make yourself happier. Mm. What about you, Casey? What have you been thinking about to do with mental health recently? Um, I think gratitude is something that's come very, very underestimated uh, in terms of how it can benefit your mental health. Um, I just think it's a good foundation and I don't know anyone who is like happy or like I say really has like a productive mental health setting that doesn't actively or proactively practice like gratitude. How have you instantiated that? How have you structured that into your life? Uh, six minute diary. Link in show notes below. That was actually a recommendation from your podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, that. There's there's other little things, but I think yeah, just like proactively taking measures to. It's bizarre if you if you don't have a formalized structure like you now do with the six minute diary or anything else. If you're not innately built to be grateful for things and to be reflective in that way and to focus on the good, um, it is a real change very very drastic difference between the two and I, I don't know about you but I've done I think I've filled like five or six in now so I've been doing it like three years and now I find myself doing things and thinking about things in a way that gratitude has taught me to so I'll it's do some perception yep. it's just it's entirely how you choose to look at something and you can be presented with something and the difference in mindset between how I choose to look at something, be it from, you know, what is this teaching me? Uh, and, you know, am I looking at it from a position where, say, for example, you people who go through trauma, it's quite easy to sit there and blame that trauma for, you know, how bad it's made you feel. But at the same time, that trauma is also responsible for all the good things that have come out of it. And literally just by being great, I'm not saying that you need to be grateful for trauma, but being grateful for the experiences and the lessons that you have learned from that. It, nothing has changed in that dynamic, you know. It's just choosing to look at it from an entirely different perspective. Couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, the, that's it. you are very much in control of your response to any situation. Um, and that's, I'm reading Man's Search for Meaning again for like the third time at the moment, Viktor Frankl's book. This guy, Holocaust survivor, who also created a school of psychology called Logotherapy. And the, the quote from it is, um, the final thing that can never be taken from any man is, is his ability to respond however he chooses to any given situation. And that's it, right? You can be in the worst situation in a, you know, Auschwitz, 
but you can still choose how you respond. Mm. Someone says something to you, that is a freedom that can't be taken away. Now, obviously, it can be you can't say, oh, I'm going to fly away, I'm not a bird. Mm. There are certain things you can't do, but there is always something you can. Yeah. And I think that sh- switching a victimhood mentality makes a big difference <coughs> for people. I think as well, like, even with Danny's social media, you know, I think, as I said before, if you're a creative in any sense of the word, you're obviously putting some sort of creation to the word, so it's, you're going to have people that like it, people that don't like it. How you choose to respond to that ultimately is a major influence on your own mental health. So Danny having people saying that they don't like his DJ or they don't like his music. It's not quite as nice as that. No, it's not in any way, shape or form. But again, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the dull down version. (laughs) But again, how Danny chooses to respond to that. But like, I'm, I'm laughing about it. I'm laughing at people. I'm not laughing at them. I'm just laughing about the fact that people can be so offended by a combination of chords and sounds to think that I, they have to type that your music is as bad as AIDS or cancer. Like that's, to me, that's, that's hilarious. How can mm. you actually like, how is someone's brain that stupid to make those links? Like music, I don't like. You could just switch it off mm. and be happy about switching it off. Instead, you have to, right, let me get my phone and tell everyone how much I don't like it. Like that's so sad. That just, it shows how much of an unhappy person you have to be to to do that like i think it's everyone has these thoughts right that sort of burble below the surface it's undealt with jealousy or envy or genuine just dislike for something that you do the problem is that social media rewards things that we either agree with or things that outrage us yeah and that's one of the reasons i think why every conversation now is getting polarized to the extremes you have people that are grouping into spheres of awareness on both ends of the spectrum and then you have the people that just come out with shock tactics there's no rationality on social media i don't think people were able to have conversations either it's literally i agree with you and i think there's such an eagerness as well for people just to say the first thing that comes to their head or jump on something that they think is a popular sometimes people sit there and plan it out for hours how to be the funniest they can be to get the most likes. Not even the funniest, really? just the nasty, what's going to get right, what's going to get me the most likes be, to do. I really think you'd be surprised, man. I think maybe some people that have that trolling mentality mm. may constantly have, is this an opportunity to troll yes. in the back of their mind? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think that any of the stuff that you see like that, the real vitriol comments, I don't think any of them are considered. No. I think they're all visceral. I think, I think a lot of times, a like, they don't, they don't even response. mean them either. They don't, they're not even, like... Well, they just say it. It's yeah. just a thing. And this is... For never in human history have all of the things that we've said been recorded, ever. Right now, this conversation should, if it wasn't for technology, just between us three and the two guys behind the camera. Yeah. That's what it should be. But yeah. now we have technology that allows us to do that, and you have the lack of friction that means that you can say something 24 hours a day that is recorded yeah. forever... On the internet, you know, and we're seeing this, so the Caroline Flack situation that's occurred this weekend, um, the Sun had put a particular article up about her, and mm. then as soon as... Deleted the article. They, they took the article down as soon yeah. as they realised they could get some... And that's the thing, from. I think, like, particularly with media like, publications like that, the fact it's, I think Idris Elba done a very good quote about this, where he said, you know, people don't really care whether... It, no, it's Denzel Washington. It was like, people don't really care if it's true or not. They just want to be first, like, see it and say it. Mm. So I think particularly for the Sun newspaper, it's what headline is going to sell the most articles. It doesn't matter if it's true. 
because they just need people to read it mm. and they know they can get away with a small apology afterwards. And it's a lot worse now than it used to be. Like, there's so much clickbait out there. Like, people will read the headlines and go, oh my God, it's going to snow sheep tomorrow. Mm. Sheep are going to drop from the ground. And when it, what it'll actually say is the article will be about some wallpaper mm-hmm. of sheep falling from the sky that's actually a picture. But the headlines grip people and sometimes they don't even read that deep into it. They're just like... Because there's so and much they believe everything that's online. Like, everything that's online. Did, didn't someone do a troll of this where they said, like, um, this huge big article that got reshared tons and it said 89% of people don't read past the first first uh, headline of an article and then the rest of it was explaining how that was a lie yeah. <laughs> that's amazing and you're just like yeah it's just people that grab a link and reshare it yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah you know I, it's it's challenging for me to see the things that I do online so you're someone who's got exposed to more incoming social media than most normal people will do what are some of the strategies you use to deal with that is it just ignore let, let, is K- it- let Casey let Casey see it and not me <laughs> Outsour- outsource it to someone else I don't see it I don't mm. want to see it whether it's positive or not like mm. I'm not putting it out there for people if I read a hundred comments of oh my god it's amazing I love you like although that makes me feel amazing that's not the reason I'm doing it mm. I'm putting it out there because I thoroughly enjoy it and I want it to continue this journey that I'm on it's like so for me to not see the positive comments means that I don't see the negative comments. That's absolutely fine. Price and what's what the point? I think going back to what you said in the very, very beginning about, you know, I think the real support from Danny's following comes from the people that come see him in the shows and the fact that people are there appreciating what he does firsthand. Like that's where you can get your satisfaction. It's not from people like commenting or anything like that, but the fact that people are willing to spend their hard earned money and see you as a source of entertainment mm. and, you know, they're there supporting you at your shows, etc. That's a much easier metric for you to gauge how successful you are, you are well, as I, opposed to sitting there reading loads of comments of how many likes yeah, you got yeah. on yeah, a video. Yeah, for sure. I, I used to reply to, like, if some something was bad or I didn't agree with it, I did, like, a few years ago, Step I would in. reply, like... I remember once, and this is what kind of changed it, I won't say where, which club it was, but I was playing in a club... And someone DM'd, uh, messaged me on, it were on Snapchat. It wasn't even on like Instagram or anything. It was a private message on Snapchat saying, um, you fat bastard, I've just paid a ten, as if I've just paid a, ten, a tenner to come in here and see you. You're getting stabbed when you leave here. Nice message. And I replied saying, bearing in mind his username was his full name. <laughs> I replied, I, I, I sent it. I showed it straight to the manager who was stood next to me and he went, right, he's banned from here. I'll find out who he is, pub watch, whatever. We'll make sure his name not getting. So I literally replied saying, um, congratulations, mate. You've just got yourself banned for life. And that was it. That's all I replied saying. Mm. The next day, he screenshotted that and put it on Twitter saying my reply. He didn't put what he'd said. And then his his comment was, all I did was call him a fat bastard and look at the response. Ha, no, no, it wasn't that. It was 500 he likes. Like he said that he didn't like your set and that you'd got him back. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was something like, oh, yeah, put up the screenshot of that. But he said, all I said was I didn't like his set mm. or something like that. Mm. And my reply was completely not to that whatsoever. Did you get your screenshot and then put it you in? You can't. You couldn't quote tweet with the screenshot then. So what did I? What could I do? Yeah. And it had it. vanished by then anyway. I get it, yeah. I was literally like... Bitch. Like, 
it, I think it only, I think it got like 300 likes, his actual thing. But Not to me, that was 300 people that hated me and were happy to see my demise. Mm. And from that day, I was like, I, I can't see this stuff. It's, it's going to stop me from doing something I love because of people that are not benefiting me in any way anyway. Mm. So if you care about the people that don't love what you do, like that's the wrong energy. You don't need to focus your energy on mm. battling the people that are never going to love what you do or benefit your career anyway. Or Being like, like being sort of authentically vulnerable in the sense of appreciating that, you know, not everyone is going to love what you do and you're okay with that. Yeah. Like, the journey that we're kind of on, it's like, there's obviously people that aren't going to like it, but there are thousands and thousands of people who do love it. And it's, let's focus on the steak, not the peas. Like, yeah. those are the people who are paying to support you. I like steak. Let's entertain those people <laughs> and do it, do a very, very good job at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's, you focus your energy on that. It's a totally different perception. You touched on something there, Casey, about um, the people who follow their content, favourite content creator or DJ or whatever it is, the ones that are buying their music, that are going to their shows, that are doing whatever. Now, I say, you know, there's been some people over the last few years who've been like, man, like I've taken a lot of value from the podcast. Thank you very much. I'd love to um, buy you a, a gift or whatever is that. And I'm honestly, honestly, the best thing that you can do is just share it with a friend. Like if you get me one more sub, mm. that's that's it. So, you know, for the people that are listening, I said, I did this um, tweet that went a bit viral the other day that said... um uh, gas your friends up it blows my mind how many people will support a Rihanna by pure yeah, yeah, yeah. collaboration <laughs> but won't like their new their friend's new business on yeah. Facebook it's like if you want to feel like you're helping a content creator just do the thing stick to the thing that they do like help them gas them up in that sort of a way suggest it to your friends yeah. because I think you have a, a unique mindset with this Danny in that you don't need that uh, not confirmation or validation, but you don't need gassing up from your fans because you, you kind of have faith that they're there for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are people out there, and I'm one of them, who I really, I'm still early on in the journey with regards to the podcast, and I take so much pleasure and so much motivation from seeing those messages yeah, yeah, yeah. that, for me, it's still an important part of it. Do you know what I mean? Especially there'll be people out there, most projects are solo projects, because it's hard to find someone else that's on that same path as you. Yeah. And with that in mind, it's like, if you like what someone does, f message them, tell them, like, remove yeah. the friction because you've just spent the last 20 minutes scrolling through Instagram stories of people you hate. Yeah. And, you, and you're like, well, why don't you just fucking support your guy? Like, no, I do, don't, don't think that I'm like, I think I'm above reading people's messages or anything like that because... Mm. I will go through every single message. My point is you don't two, necessarily two or take three them days, to heart either two way. Two or three days later, once all the bad ones have been hidden, mm -hmm. yeah. just so that I don't, like, mm. it's not that it'd even bother me that much. It's just, why even see anything that's going to bring you down? Like, exactly. I've seen I've seen a video before that a DJ had released. Um, he was playing at Ministry of Sound in London and he'd made a bootleg, like a drum and bass bootleg of a big, a big house tune. And he put up a video. Two hours later, it was on 100,000 views. Like, it was going. He'd not put a penny sponsor on it. It was flying. And because of all the negative comments, it deleted the video because it was getting to him too much. It upset him. Mm. Despite the fact that, that it That could happened. have had a million views. That could have changed his life, changed mm. his career. That could have... Mm. But for something to go viral, equally as many people that like hate it. it, in music especially, mm. a song, 
it's got to get slated to make it go viral. An equal number of people have got to share it because they hate it as like it because that doubles the amount of views that doubles the amount of exposure it's getting Johnny the guy that's usually sat where you are Casey he's got a he does PPC and like um, advertising Facebook ads every day and his synopsis for all of that is clicks are clicks yeah, 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 yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? like which is the old adage it's better to be infamous yeah, yeah. than it is but I've to, literally, I literally saw this this video was going to get a million views the speed it was going at the speed the views were going up at and he couldn't take... Couldn't bear the criticism. He couldn't take the... Not the criticisms, it was like nasty, like nasty mm. stuff. Mm. But because he hated it so much, he... But if you... An agent could go to somebody and go, oh, I got a million views in two days. Mm. We should get that guy. We should <laughs> give him a crack at Ibiza Rock's warm-up set or whatever it might be. Um, so how do you deal, Casey? Obviously, it's you that is kind of in the vanguard. You've taken point on shitey social media comments. <laughs> it must be challenging for you to see people online saying bad things about your client slash friend um no you don't you don't see it like like i'd see yeah it. I, do you know in the early stages i think because even i was quite protective over what we were trying to achieve i was like okay well, what are we doing wrong why don't people like what he's doing you know i, I think maybe it was inexperience because there's no there's no rule book no one gives you a rule book yeah. and says these are the rules like if people start slagging you off you're making enough noise that you're actually being successful yeah. so there's no rule book so you're like why do these people not like me? What what I'm wrong? Again, like I, I don't I don't dislike them. I don't know who they are. Like why? And I think because it was a because we was putting a lot of content out there. It was you know that there's no consistency. There's no theme. There's no there's nothing was measurable in terms of what would get good comments or what would get bad comments. It was just at the mercy of the the social media public. The internet. So, yeah, the internet. Um, but now I even put videos up deliberately to troll certain crowds, though. <laughs> yeah. I think when you can do that, when you can get to that stage, I've got a friend called Michael Malice who was on a couple of weeks ago and he's been on Rogan five times and he is, you know, Loki from like, Avengers? Yes. That He is Loki for American politics and Twitter in general. Mm. And his approach is just... So he tweeted the other day... Um, Hitler built the Berlin Wall. Trump wants to build a wall. You do the maths. Hitler didn't build the Berlin Wall. No, no. But he just like... Babe. Such better... And the Berlin Wall trended yeah. in America because of, <laughs> this, because of this tweet. And it's Genius. like... When I love stuff your, like that. I when you can get tr- yourself to that stage, I think, and you don't take yourself too seriously, that's the, that's the real sweet spot. But I think for me, I just, I really couldn't care less. I, I think that's why I'm probably the best place. But like, Danny's happy. I'm happy. Danny's doing well. I consider us both to be doing well. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think there's a quote, uh, Brene Brown refers to it by Teddy Roosevelt, where it's like, um, I can't remember it word for word, but it's like, it's not the, I can't remember it exactly. But it's basically saying, if you're not in the arena taking part, I don't care for your opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think for those people, you know, unless you're someone who's value by opinion, unless you're doing something similar or, you know, putting yourself out there or you're actually trying to achieve something great, I don't care for your opinion. Mm. So for anyone who has something to say about Danny's opinion or Danny's career, if I value their opinion, they would have come and said it directly to me and we would be having that conversation. Mm-hmm. It would be constructive. But for someone who's just posting nonsense online... I couldn't care less. It doesn't affect how much I get paid. It doesn't yeah. affect how much he gets paid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not going to deter 
him from going out. And now, now I definitely don't see it. It doesn't affect your happiness. But yeah. I think and that's all that matters. Isn't it? You know, as a, a takeaway for anyone, I, I've been trying to push as many people that are listening as possible to like, uh, go and do a project, start the business that you want, whatever it is, follow a passion that you have because you can do it with such a low investment in terms of time and resources. Um, the podcast I did with James from podcast.co, which I'll put in the show notes below as well. That has my full working process from the gear I use to the filters that I have to the mastering program to the way I upload to my hosting platform because nothing would make me happier than for someone else to go and do this. Like The internet is a very, very big place. And how rewarding would that be for you? To someone else go and then be like, hey, man, like not only did you make a podcast I enjoyed, I'm now making a podcast because of you. That yeah, other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know like how many people might have listened to this, hopefully today, who are like, oh, do you know what it is? Like My DJing career was kind of a bit wishy-washy, but... You know, Danny and Casey said, give it a fucking shot and, and really go after it with energy and put mixtapes out. I'm going to commit for the next 12 months. I'm going to do a mixtape a month and I'm going to go around giving it out to people or whatever the fuck it is. Jesus. I love seeing people do well, especially when they really, really, really deserve it. There was a, there's a lad who, he'll probably listen to this to be fair, came to a DJ workshop I did uh, four years ago. He was 14. You had to be 16 to go on the workshop. And his mum booked him on, didn't say anything. And I was I was like, it, it was no problem. She she just said, oh, can I stay with him for the day? And um, I was literally like showing DJ routines and helping, helping people do stuff. He was four deck mixing at 14 years old. At the start of this session, I was like, I'm going to have to make something more complicated up for this guy. Mm. And he's now just turned 18 We've kept in such since he's been like, how can I, he's been almost saddened, like, oh, I can't get any gigs, I can't get any opportunities. I was you're like, a child. I was like, you're, 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 you're are legally 16. a child. He's 16, chill out. He's 17, chill out. Now he's 18. Just old enough to go to clubs. Yeah. I got a phone. Finally allowed to get into the club that, you yeah, want, yeah. that you're exactly. complaining you're not getting booked at. Yeah. I got a phone call saying, I need a resident for a Friday night at this bar, blah, blah, blah. Mm. He went and did the set at this bar. He's now got three residences a week and he's on 500 quid a week DJing. Yeah. A, a week after old. he's 18. Yeah. <laughs> like, Making more money than but he, he, of 18 He 100% would not have got that gig if it wasn't for him showing his enthusiasm, being nice, being hungry to progress and keeping in touch with me. And he didn't pest me all the time. He was just nice. And Do you know what I mean? And now he's like, now he's just straight away as an 18 year old walked into 20, like 20 odd grand a year's worth of gigs. It's the beautiful thing about networking. And this is why I am glad that my background over the last 13 years of being a nightclub promoter, it lends you toward going networking first. And the beautiful thing about networks is they're the only thing which don't share when you multiply them. That, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't divide they multiply yes. like, and you, you get to continue, you build out all of these different stuff. There was a guy who sent me an email like six months into when I started the podcast, who was a bunch of book recommendations and said, I really think that you would, this would be a good guest and a couple of other things. And Jordan's now one of my best mates. Now he books people onto the show. He helps me source guests. George McGill sent me another one saying, Hey man, I know that you like Chrome browser extensions. Here's a list of them. By the way, um, if you're ever in Manchester, let me know his episodes that I ended up recording with him last year are the first and second most played ever 
bigger than Aubrey Marcus, bigger than James Clear, bigger than Robert Green, bigger than Christoph, bigger than everything. And he's just some fella. And all it cost him was a DM. Well, yeah, the yeah. only cost was a DM. You know, and reaching out to people like that, it, it can change everything. I did that at 17. So prior to working with Danny and like before I even got involved in nightlife, I just messaged a guy because I wanted to work at his club. Um, and I messaged the owner just saying I wanted to learn about it. And then I got an internship in a nightclub in central London just from that message as a 17-year-old. Like, you have nothing to lose from asking. And I think just having the vulnerability to put yourself out there, like, what what's the alternative? I can't remember um, I can't remember who it was that told me this story, but this was, yeah. this, was, this was on another episode where there was this uh, young American black guy who lived in quite a poor neighbourhood and he wanted to work out how to be rich. Went around knocking on, just thought, I'm going to knock on the doors in the richest neighbourhood in town. Second person whose door he knocked on was the acting CEO of IBM who gave him an internship there and then. And <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? You're like, holy fucking shit. Like, people that go out of their way and make things happen. But how many people will think, think that that was lucky? Yeah, they'll be like, well, that was lucky, but then won't that do anything about lucky. it. So here's the thing. Taylor Pearson, who's coming on in a couple of weeks' time, and I just keep consuming his content. TaylorPearson.me, for anyone that's interested. He's an absolute motherfucker. Like, I cannot believe the sort of stuff this guy puts out. And he's got this this post that he's written about procrastination, which is just beautiful. And he says, the thing about procrastination is the reason we do it is because we're scared of failure. We don't undertake the thing that we want to try and do in case we might fail at it. But the weird thing about procrastination is that by trying to inoculate ourselves from failing publicly, we guarantee that we will fail privately. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe you didn't fuck up in public, but by doing nothing, nothing happened. Like, you yeah, can yeah. only benefit from doing something and taking action. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that action-first approach is a really good way to go. Look, gentlemen, we made it. There we go. It's, been it's Danny uh. T and Casey. Um, <laughs> where should people go? They want to find out your music. They want to check out your socials. Uh, it's Danny T DJ on everything. SoundCloud as well. SoundCloud yeah, slash everything's the same. Casey, no. where can they where can they hustle? Oh, is it not? Spotify is at it's Danny T. Was DJ not available? No. Someone's gone on and taken at it's Danny T DJ. There's actually an Australian Danny T, but we don't talk about him. I can't do an Australian. I was going to do it's Danny T in an Australian accent, but I can't. Anyway, he actually no, we won't get into this. <laughs> don't we're, we're friends now. <laughs> now we are. Casey, where can they get you? Are you online? Or are you just uh, get you through Casey Danny? Casey just hides away. Do you know what? This is the Casey beauty of why I do so well. I, um, yeah, I only have Instagram and it's, what is it? I don't even know. Like, Casey I see social ben. media as a business tool, so I'm not big proactive on it. I'm going to send everyone there anyway. It's going to be in the show notes below. <laughs> when, was your, when was your last picture? It's got to be three, four years 2017 ago. 2017 or 15? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got someone else's social media to deal with, haven't you? Here yeah, it keeps me busy soon. enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, everything will be linked in the show notes below. Any questions you've got for Danny, feel free to leave them on YouTube. Like, share and subscribe. You know what to do. Danny, it's been fantastic, man. I'm looking forward to tonight. I can't Let's get wait. after it. It's going to be buzzing. And I'm going to get you drunk. Uh, no. <laughs> Bigger people than you have tried. I can try. Yeah, you can give it a crack. Thanks, man. And we're out. Oh.